Good morning. Buenos dias. Welcome everyone here in the sanctuary and those of you at home. You are here with us. This morning we commemorate the Days of the Dead, All Souls, All Saints Day. Who are you remembering today? How is your heart today? Is there someone in particular you are missing today? For all of you who have experienced recent losses, know that you are not alone. For all of you who have experienced a profound loss, no matter how long ago, we are here for you. You are not alone. Recuérdame, remember me. Who are you remembering today? If you feel so moved, shout out their names and we will answer presente, which means they are here with us in our hearts. I'll shout out the name of my grandmother, Rosario, presente. 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 For those whose names will never know. Presente. Death. It is said that the very word burns the lips. And yet in some cultures, people dance with it, make fun of it, and swallow it whole in the shape of a sugar skull. Ritual helps us to hold together when we fall apart. When we feel that the grief is so deep that we can't imagine a tomorrow or even our next breath. From the Byzantine chants of the Greek Orthodox funeral sacraments, focusing on the resurrection, to Buddhist rituals of samsara, crossing over, practicing breathing into your own death, to the colorful celebration of the Days of the Dead in Mexico, and the more somber rituals of the Days of the Dead and All Souls Day in other countries around the world. Rituals are designed to open us up to another reality, 
morning rituals in community motivate us to reflect not only on our relationship to the departed, but also place us at the crossroads where we contemplate our own mortality. Rituals are designed to make meaning of life and death, of the loss, that thief that steals from us the spark of life, the simple joys, the companion, a reference point to that which we know is true and solid and now is gone. In Latin America, as part of the Spanish colonization, Christian missionaries tried to eradicate indigenous practices dealing with death and the ancestors. Some of those practices became part of the Catholic calendar and merged with All Souls Day. In some Latin American countries, All Souls Day takes on a very somber tone and the rituals are dictated by the priest during a special mass. In other countries, rituals are a mixture of indigenous and Christian traditions, yet the legacy of pre-Hispanic religious rituals of making offerings to the ancestors and to the earth still today come alive in our traditions of altar making. The rituals mark a special time in the calendar where the living reestablish their relationship and interdependence with the ancestors and the divine mystery. This special time and these rituals that accompany these days offer us an opportunity to reflect on the uncertainty and fragility of life, on the people who are no longer on this earth, and on the role that this society plays in making certain people more vulnerable and accelerating their untimely departure from this life and from us. These rituals, whether pagan, Christian, indigenous, or of our own making, our own imagination and creativity, give us a chance to open up, to connect, to share our sorrow with our community. Grieving communally is just as important as healing community, and they are interdependent. At this point, you might be thinking, but what do these rituals have to do with us? We're Unitarian Universalists. Most of us are humanists and atheists. We don't dwell on the mystery of death, and we don't talk much at all about the afterlife. And I would say, yes, and we are more diverse than we might assume, aren't we? I have been building community altars for many decades. I won't say how many. Growing up in Chile, I inherited the gift of altar building from my grandmother, Rosario. For years, my altars were very private and built in my own home. That is until the AIDS pandemic hit while I was living in Boston. I was working at the Latino Health Institute, and there was a time when every week we would experience so many deaths of our clients, of our friends, of our neighbors, our community. Many families were so afraid and some of them ashamed that they would not allow themselves to grieve publicly or to have a ritual to honor the memory of their family members. Many of the funerals were religious rituals that denied the identity, the gender, the sexual orientation, and the cause of death of the person, robbing them of their dignity even after death. 
Many people died without any funeral rite, and partners and friends were left grieving, devastated, disconnected, and alone. So I approached my co-workers, and together we created community altars to honor the community members and offer their friends and families an opportunity to gather just like we are gathering today, embodying our grief, moving our hands, making paper flowers, lighting candles, arranging flowers, looking at the pictures of our loved ones, writing their names on the wings of butterflies. We felt a connection there. We did this for many, many years. We invited other community organizations to join us. And decades later, when I entered seminary at Harvard Divinity School to become an ordained Unitarian Universalist minister, I was invited to build a community altar. The first person who came by was a staff person, Leslie, who identified as Unitarian Universalist. At first, she was just curious and very quiet and just stood in a corner, taking everything in. But after a while, she asked about the meaning of the altars. As it happened, I was building an altar for the little angels. This is an example of an altar for the little angels. You'll see that it only has baby's breath. And it has baby shoes and a little bottle and little toys and... This altar is for infants and children and also for mothers who have experienced miscarriages. Leslie was visibly moved and proceeded to tell me that she had experienced two miscarriages, but she never felt that she could share her feelings. She couldn't talk about that loss. In what she called her Yankee stoic upbringing, The thing to do was just put it behind you and carry on. Even friends would offer platitudes such as, but you're so young, you can try again. She asked if we could light a candle and if she could name her babies, and we did. And after each name, we said, presente, meaning that they were present forever in her spirit, in her heart This is her testimony in her own words. And I quote, I am 46 years old and I've had two miscarriages. I want to talk about it. Even with my New England Yankee stoic ways telling me to just suck it up. I always carry that with me. I'm a different person now because of it. The first time I went to see the altar, it blew me away. I anticipated going to a funeral with muted colors and sounds, I felt as though my experience was black and white, and I walked into a profusion of color. It brought back life. I went thinking that it's probably going to be a very polite, quiet sharing, maybe something along the lines of a group therapy thing. And then I saw the flowers, the different textures, the food, the smells, multi-sensory, so unexpected, so celebratory. It was an astonishing thing for me. There was a special place for the babies, their own place, their own rituals, just for them. I went there thinking mainly about my parents. I felt very safe when I went around saying presente. 
I said it for the babies I will never know. And it felt liberating and connecting to know that there's this vehicle in our community to encourage us to bring our sorrows and our love there. It's an offering, and it gave me another chance. End quote. That experience and the song El Rin del Angelito, The Little Angel, inspired me to write my senior thesis about funeral rites for children, particularly from Chile and Puerto Rico, where I was living then. What began in seminary as a very tiny little altar has become a gift that I offer every community I become a part of, a community event that offers us another opportunity to connect and to support each other. This special time and place, these rituals that we get to share are invitations to reflect, to connect, to make meaning together. It's a gift to be in a community where we can experience our faith as transformational and so diverse. It is healing. It is stretching ourselves beyond our borders. It is reaching the broken heart and being a source of hope. So if you ask me, what is the point? Why spend time and energy on these displays? I will not answer you with a complicated theological statement. I will simply say that for me, participating in an embodied ritual in this community connects me to you. It reminds me that I am not alone. I hope it reminds you that you are not alone in how lucky and blessed we are to nourish this community, to bring to this community all of who we are, our joys and our sorrows. So when things fall apart, rituals help us to put the pieces back together with the help of family and friends, music, animal companions, we gather strength. We get new perspectives, new ways of coping with loss. We begin to feel that we can breathe again. Community is born of life and death as we celebrate the joys and mourn the losses together. The celebration of the Days of the Dead is about community. Unitarian Universalism is about community. This is what I have learned so far about being a Unitarian Universalist. We don't preach about individual salvation. We need one another to save this broken world together. We need one another to heal and find purpose and meaning in our days. We need the love and support of this community to grow and to nourish our souls. Let us take a deep breath. And once again, all together, for all our beloved, say one last presente. Are you ready? One, two, three. Presente. Amen. And blessed be.